0: The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au Good morning, LCC North Lakes. It is great to be with you this morning, even if it is just church online, through your screens at home, wherever you might be. I do miss you all and I can't wait to gather again whenever that is. Uh, But like Kyle said, my name is Shane and I do have the privilege of preaching this morning, opening up God's word as we continue our series in 2 Timothy in what is arguably Paul's last words ever written to his young protege Timothy. As Paul sits in his jail cell, he's been abandoned by his friends, he's waiting his execution and he writes this amazing letter to Timothy to encourage him in the faith, to help him persevere in the face of trials and as we'll see today, to be strengthened by grace Uh, Timothy finds himself in a situation where he is struggling, he is weary, and Paul is well-versed in suffering. A couple of weeks ago, we started this series, we heard Paul encourage Timothy to be bold in the faith, to fan into flame the gift the Lord has given him. And then last week, Kyle spoke about not being ashamed of the gospel. In fact, we are to guard the good deposit and we are to partake in gospel ministry together. And so today we open up chapter 2, we look from verses 1 to 13 to what else Paul wants to say to Timothy to encourage him in the faith. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to get right into it. Lord, thank you that you are with us this morning, wherever we are, in our homes, or whether we're gathering, Lord, that you are with your people. And Lord, I pray that you might speak to us this morning through your words, that our hearts might be transformed, that our eyes might be opened, our ears might be opened to hear what you have to say to us this morning. So Holy Spirit, I pray you speak through me, that we might be encouraged, that we might be strengthened, and that all the more we might gaze upon you and know your love for us. I pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Well, I didn't know if I was going to make it here this morning, Uh, not make it to my couch, but make it to this moment preaching. Uh, Some of you might be aware, maybe some of you aren't, but the last few months have actually been quite tough for my wife and I. We've faced a lot of grief, a lot of suffering, a lot of loss and death, especially from people quite close to us. Uh, Probably the worst being five weeks ago today, I lost my mother unexpectedly, uh, and it's been rough, to say the least. Uh, It's been a time of wrestle, a time of struggle, and no matter what kind of person you are, when you face this kind of suffering, there's confusion, it hurts, it's difficult. And whether it's suffering from the loss of a loved one, whether it's suffering from broken relationships, maybe it's suffering from being in lockdown and the struggles and the anxieties that come with that. Or maybe it's suffering as a direct relation to preaching the gospel boldly like Timothy and Paul. If you live long enough, we're all going to face some kind of suffering and we all have to do something with it. We all have to get through it somehow. And this is where Timothy finds himself, in a situation where he's suffering. He's weary. He's tired. In fact, he's looking at his mentor, Paul, who's in chains, in prison. And he's probably wondering, should I be following this person? Is what he's telling me to do going to be worth it? Because he just seems to be facing more and more opposition. Opposition from outside the church and opposition from inside the church. Timothy is suffering. And so then Paul, to encourage him, a man well-versed in suffering, writes... He writes this amazing letter, as we're going to see here. And he starts chapter two with this. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This seems to be the main verse of the entire letter. Uh, uh, We've even named our series after it, Strengthened by Grace. So my prayer is if somehow you forget everything, somehow you don't remember a single thing in this eight-week series, that you remember this verse, that you can be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy obviously needed strength and Paul knew this and he tells him, find strength in grace. Don't find strength in your own abilities, in your own knowledge, not even in your own faith, Timothy. Find strength in the grace of Jesus. Because Paul knew the only thing that was going to get Timothy through, to persevere, to fight the good fight and finish well, was the grace of Jesus. And as we read this, we see that this strengthening doesn't come from within Timothy. It's not something he can do to himself, foster up within himself, like he can pull up his bootstraps and work hard at being strong. No, this is a grace that comes from outside of Timothy. We need to let the Lord strengthen us by his grace. Timothy needs to let the Lord strengthen him by his grace. And as we read this in the Greek, we also see that it's not a one-off, be strong and you're done. It's a day in, day out, momentary, lifelong letting the Lord strengthen us by His grace. Timothy was suffering. He was weary. And Paul is saying, let the Lord strengthen you by His grace. This echoes Paul's commands in Ephesians as we just studied in our Fearless series a few months ago. We read, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the armor of God. We realized during this study two things. That one, it was God's armor that we were putting on. It wasn't our our own armor. So we had to find strength in the grace of Jesus, not in our own abilities. But two, we realized that it was a day in, day out, putting on the armor. It wasn't a put on the armor and you're done. It was every day as we get up, we put on the armor of God. And so what Paul is saying here is, let the Lord strengthen you in every moment, in every situation. Rely solely on the grace that is in Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, in the midst of his suffering, pleading to the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh. He wrote this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What Timothy needed to hear, and I think what we all need to hear this morning, is the grace of Jesus is sufficient for us. That in our weakness, we are strong. That Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. Not when we've got everything together, not when we can bring something to the table, but in our weakness, Christ's power is made perfect. So let's boast all the more in our weakness. Let's rely solely on the grace of Jesus to get us through. And it's not just in the face of suffering that we need this grace. It's when we try and live godly lives. It's when we try and put sin to death in our lives. It's when we preach the gospel boldly. It is in persecution and in trials and in suffering. In all things that we do as Christians, we have to rely on the unmerited favor of our Lord to get us through. And so Paul is telling Timothy here, This is what is going to get you through. The same grace that saved you, Timothy, is the same grace that will sustain you and strengthen you till the end. And then we read, Paul goes on to tell Timothy a few things that he's going to need strength for as he walks as a Christian, particularly as a pastor and a teacher of God's word. He writes this, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Paul had already told Timothy to hold fast the good deposit, to guard the good deposit. And now he writes, entrust it to others. Paul, as he sits in prison, being abandoned by his friends, he's waiting his execution. And what's on his mind is that the good news of the gospel, that God's truth will be passed on from generation to generation to generation, from him to Timothy to those faithful men that they may teach others. What Paul's concern was as he sits in prison was for the task of discipleship. We're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to make disciples, to wrestle, to run, to fight, to struggle and to stumble together towards Jesus. And I think as we read this, we see this charge of discipleship that Paul gives Timothy. And I think it's actually an encouragement to Timothy because Paul knows there is nothing more encouraging than seeing a brother or sister come to meet Jesus for the first time. To seeing someone understand more fully their adoption as a son or daughter in Christ. Or watching someone overcome sin that they've been battling for years and years and years. Especially if the Lord has used you in the process. I think this discipleship, yeah, it's hard. It, It takes time, it takes sacrifice, but it is encouraging. There is nothing more encouraging than seeing someone or welcoming a brother or sister home. And so Paul says to Timothy, you need to keep on the task of discipleship. Be strengthened by grace for the task of discipleship. Sometimes we feel spiritually dry or weary. And I think it's because we haven't witnessed the joy of watching someone we know meet Jesus for the first time. So sometimes the thing we feel most drained to do is actually the thing we need to keep us going in the faith. To encourage us to persevere in the faith. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy to do. Be strengthened by grace for the task of discipleship. And then he continues with the things that Paul is going, uh, Timothy is going to need strength for. And he writes this, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in severe pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, and it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops." So Paul gives us these three metaphors here, that of the the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. all giving us insight into how we are called to live as Christians. Uh, We're called to live a certain way as Christians, a way different from the world, a way that I would argue should and will lead to some form of suffering, which is a weird concept for a lot of us because we'll do all we can to make sure our lives are as easy, as controlled, and as comfortable as possible. And yet here, Paul says to Timothy, we ought to share in suffering. In fact, Jesus even says that we are, if we want to follow Him, that we will experience trials and persecution. And Paul later on this letter writes that anyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. So Paul calls us to to share in suffering. As Christians, we're called to share in suffering with one another side by side as we walk this journey. But not in a way that suffering is pointless, not suffering is the end. Because as we read in this metaphors, each one of them, yes, we'll see there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a sacrifice needed, but ultimately there is a reward for those who run the race and finish well. That we might see that our labor is not in vain. And in fact, as we continue this book over the next few weeks, we will see that suffering is actually doing something inside of us that only suffering can. And so Paul, uh, he give us these three metaphors. I'll go through them real quickly. That of the soldier, that of the good soldier. He writes, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Paul uses this soldier analogy a little differently than he's used it before. He uses it to illustrate the single mind, the focus needed by the soldier in battle. That he is to not be distracted by the things around him, but he is to focus solely on the task at hand that he may please the one who enlisted him. And I want to be clear, what Paul is not saying is that as Christians, we can only be uh, pastors or traveling evangelists and that we can't do normal things or have normal jobs. And we know this isn't true because Paul himself had a side hustle that when he was traveling around on his mission trips and he needed some extra coin that he would make tents. This is what Paul did. And so, what Paul is speaking against here is not secular activities, but entanglements. Not being absent from the world, but not being caught up in the things of the world. And this is how Timothy and this is how you and I, as Christians, are called to live. We have to have our eyes focused on Jesus, we have to be single minded in the things of God, and we are to run this race, fight this battle with our eyes fixed on our Savior. As we're strengthened by grace, we're to focus on the things of God, not being caught up by the things around us. And as we think about what these entanglements might be, yes, sometimes they're bad things, but I would argue more often than not, especially for Christians, these are good things, good things that we have taken and made God things. And so these could be your relationships, it could be your family, it could be careers, it could be a desire for comfort or wealth. Whilst they're not bad things, if they become entanglements, if they take our eyes off Jesus, they take us out of the race, then Paul is saying we need to throw off them. Like the writer of Hebrews, like Kylum said earlier, we're to throw off everything that hinders. We have to fix our eyes to Jesus and run this race well. We have to fight as good soldiers. And then Paul turns to his second analogy. He talks about that of an athlete. He writes, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, the Olympics are on the moment. I don't know if any of you are watching the Olympics. I'm sure you have been. Uh, But I've been watching a few things. I love the athletics. And uh, as I read this, I thought, yeah, this is obvious. Of course, you can't win if you don't compete according to the rules. But yet, even in the lead up to these Olympics, we saw countless men and women be disqualified, be taken out of the race because they were cheating or doing things illegally. And as I look around the world, I see so many people who want to live outside of the rules, yet desire the crown. So many people want heaven, this idea of heaven, yet they don't want Jesus. And here Paul is saying, we are called to be like an athlete. We have to persevere, we are to endure, we have to train, we have to run well, but we are to run according to the rules. We are called to live a certain way as Christian, and we are called to live God's way. We are called to follow God's rules. And not so that God can hold us back. See, a lot of people believe that Christianity is a bunch of rules that God just wants to put around us to constrict us, to stop us having fun. In fact, as we read this, we see, no, if we run according to the rules, we receive the crown. That we actually win if we run God's way. If we live God's way, we find life and life abundant. And this is what Paul is saying. But we live in a day and age where everything is instant and on demand. We want things straight away. And Paul is saying that's not how Christianity is. We're called to live godly lives. We're called to live holy lives. We're called to run according to God's rules that we might receive the crown. And for Christians, we receive the ultimate crown that we might dine with Jesus in paradise. See, our crown as Christians is Jesus. We get Jesus. So we're called as soldiers to focus on Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. As athletes, we're called to run with endurance, with perseverance, but run God's way, to live God's way, that we might receive the crown. And then Paul turns to his third analogy. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share in the crops. Paul uses this picture of the farmer to show Timothy that those who work hard will receive a share in the crops. See, farmers are some of the most hardworking people I know. And this was written before there was tractors and big machines. Farmers used to work with their hands. They used to sweat. They used to get dirty. They used to toil. They used to work hard. And they used to wait. They used to wait for the harvest. And so as Christians, we're called to work hard. And I want to be clear here. This is not a works-based salvation. We know, we read in chapter 1, we are saved by grace alone. By the grace of Jesus before the age began. We even read in this chapter so far that we have to be strengthened. We have to be sustained by grace and grace alone. But we are called to work hard as Christians. Called to work hard at putting sin to death in our lives. Called to work hard at sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. Called to work hard at becoming more goldy. To focus on Jesus and to run the race. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, you are to to work hard. You are to sow. You are to water. And then you are to wait. So Timothy might have been uh, frustrated that he isn't seeing any fruits of his labor. You might just thinking, all I'm seeing is opposition and suffering and I'm weary. But here we read, Paul is saying that no, those who work hard will share in the fruits because our labor is not in vain. The most common understanding of this sharing in the crops is actually that of like a spiritual reward. It might mean that uh, for those who work hard, become more righteous. It could mean for those who work hard, we will become more like Jesus by the power of the Spirit that work within us as we work hard at being godly and living godly lives. For some of us, it might actually mean that we will witness, we will be able to share and see those that we have sown into come to meet Jesus for the first time. Whether it's this side of eternity or whether it's the next, we are promised that we will share in the crops. For those who work hard, so let's continue to work hard. Let's continue to pray for those who don't know Jesus, to work hard at putting sin to death in our lives, work hard at proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, to guarding the good deposit and to relying solely on the strength that comes from Jesus. And so Paul, this whole time has been encouraging Timothy to share in suffering. He's been reminding him to follow Jesus, to keep your eyes fixed on him. But yes, there is a cost, but there is an ultimate reward. And that these light and momentary afflictions, though they may not seem light, they're preparing in us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. And then Paul turns to his probably greatest appeal yet to encourage Timothy in the faith. He writes this, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Timothy is to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. He was the greatest soldier, the greatest athlete, and the greatest farmer. He was the greatest example of a sufferer, ultimately going to the cross. But through his death, he brought life. Paul is encouraging Timothy, remember Jesus. He was the same Jesus that you read about in the Old Testament, the promised Messiah from the Davidic line. He was the same Jesus that your grandmother taught you about, Timothy. Remember Jesus. And I think sometimes we just need to remember Jesus. The greatest thing we can do is nothing at all but just remember Jesus, bring our eyes and our focus back to Jesus, to preach the gospel to ourselves, to remember the good news of the gospel, that our greatest problem that ever was has been dealt with on the cross by Jesus. Maybe we are struggling right now. We're in a season of suffering. Maybe we're just apathetic to the faith. Maybe this lockdown has really got to us and the anxiety and the struggle, we're feeling it. We just need to remember Jesus. We need to find strength in His grace. Remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel and that we don't need to fear death and that while we might experience some pain in this world, that Jesus has overcome the world. We need to remember Jesus, remember the good news of the gospel, preach the gospel to ourselves every day and find strength in the grace of Jesus. And so we can be encouraged by this as Christians to press on because Jesus is alive, but also because His Word is alive also. Paul says, I might be bound, but the Word of God is not bound. It can never be bound. It never will be bound God's word is not dependent on man's freedom. And what I mean by this is not suffering, not persecution, not religious restrictions, not even COVID lockdowns can stop the word of God, can stop the message of Jesus spreading. This is why Paul encourages Timothy, entrust the good news of the gospel to others. Preach the gospel, make disciples because God's word is alive. It is active. It is moving. God's word is saving. The power of the gospel is at work. Paul, yeah, I might be bound. I understand that. Timothy, I get that you're struggling, but the God, God's word is not bound. God is moving. God is saving. Be strengthened by this. Remember Jesus. Know that your labor is not in vain. And that's why as Christians, we can be encouraged because God's word is not bound. God's word, yes, it speaks into our pain, but it also speaks out of it. God is moving, God is saving through the proclamation of His Word. God is transforming lives. So, no matter when we're in lockdown, restrictions, masks, no masks, God, by the power of His Word, through His Spirit, is saving people. So, let's continue in the task of gospel proclamation, of preaching the Word to ourselves, but also to others. And then Paul says to Timothy, uh, I get that you're suffering. I get that you're going through a tough time. There are people out there that don't yet know Jesus, that haven't heard the word preached. And this is why Paul endures everything, he says. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Paul gave his life to preaching and teaching the gospel. Why? For the sake of the elect. He's not saying there is a select few that are worthy of him suffering. That's not what he's saying. Because Paul didn't know who the elect were, but he knew they needed to hear the gospel. So as Christians, we can find encouragement in this. This isn't a a passage about predestination or election. This is an encouragement for us as Christians that our labor is not in vain. That as we preach the gospel, God is saving his people. He is calling his children home. That we need to be on the task of gospel proclamation. And Paul says, I endure everything, everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. We need to continue to preach the gospel. We need to continue to share our faith with others. Why? Because Jesus is saving his children. He is calling his children home. So as we need to be strengthened by grace as Christians for the task of discipleship, for the task of gospel proclamation, to share in suffering, to fight the good fight because Jesus is alive and so is his word I wonder how much we care to endure for those who don't yet know Jesus do we care to have an awkward conversation with our neighbours do we care to endure possible rejection do we care to endure maybe people not inviting us places because they think we're strange maybe do we care to endure the fact that someone might say wow tell me more How much do we care to endure as Christians? Because Paul says everything. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. So let's continue to share the gospel. Let's continue to pray for those that don't know Jesus. Because God is moving. God is saving. God is calling his children home. And this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. Remember Jesus. Remember his word is alive. He is calling his children home. He is saving his people. And so whether we are making disciples, whether we are sharing in suffering gospel proclamation, Paul wants to make sure that this is all done through the strength that comes from grace in Jesus. And so let's remind ourselves that let's not just try and do more things. After this sermon, my prayer is that you know that you can't do things in your own strength. I want you to go out there after this and know that you need to find strength in grace. It is the grace of Jesus that is going to give us the power and the strength to do these things. And so, as we wrap up here, Paul finishes with this trustworthy saying. He writes If we have died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the promise of the gospel. Those who die with Christ will also live with Christ. Those who partake in His death will partake in His resurrection. As we die to sin, as we die to ourselves, as we die to our flesh, that we will live with Jesus in eternity. If we endure, we'll also reign with Him. If we fight the good fight, if we finish the race, if we end well, then we will reign with Jesus in paradise. If we endure, we'll also reign with Him. And then comes the warnings if we deny him he will also deny us. If we deny Jesus he will deny us. He says in Matthew 10:32, "Anyone therefore who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven." And this is not just a temporal uh, confusion or doubt of the faith. This is a I don't want you anymore Jesus. That I'm going to live my own way. I don't want to follow you. If we deny him, he will deny us. And then we get to the last verse, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There are several conflicting ideas about what this verse could mean. Some think this is a promise, that uh, if we fall away from the faith, if we decide to just start living our own way and not living Jesus' way anymore, that in the end, He will remain faithful to us uh, and He'll save us. Some think this is actually a warning uh, when it writes that He, uh, if we are faithless, He remains faithful, actually means that He remains faithful to judge us and punish us if we are to turn away and walk away from Jesus. But I actually think this points more towards the fact that God is faithful, faithful to himself and faithful to his promises. And so, yes, this is a warning that if we walk away from Jesus, if we deny him and live our own way, that he is faithful to judge and to punish those. Why? Because he doesn't force anybody into heaven. But I think this is also a promise. A promise for those who place their trust in Jesus, that He is faithful to His never-ceasing mercy, faithful to His unending grace, faithful to His love for us. That when we try and live like the soldier, when we try and focus on Jesus, but we get distracted and we turn away, that He graciously brings us back. When we try and run like an athlete, but we stumble and we fall, that we are met with mercy that we are not abandoned, that we are brought back in. We try and live our lives and work hard, but we struggle and we just don't, that we are met and strengthened by the grace of Jesus. This is the promise that God gives us, that when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Then we try and do these things that whilst we will be strengthened by grace, we're also met with grace if we fail. We are saved by grace and we are sustained by grace. And this is what Paul is saying. So we're to be encouraged by this. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that strengthened us. and It's the same grace that will sustain us through the end. Let's not just try and do things our own way. Let's not just try and uh, overcome sin on our own merit. Let's not try and live godly lives by ourselves. Let's rely solely on the grace of Jesus to get us through. And I want to finish with this poem by a lady named Annie Johnson Flint. I don't know if you've heard her story before. Uh, She experienced some pretty tough times in her life, some very severe suffering. Um, She struggled a lot. She had questions for the Lord. She was a Christian. Uh, By the time she was five, both her parents had passed away. And so she was adopted and taken into another family, a Christian family. Uh, But shortly later, she was diagnosed with severe arthritis to the point where she couldn't walk anymore. She was tangled up in her body. And then shortly after uh, leaving high school, both her adopted parents then died. And to make things uh, worse, uh, her crippling uh, disease was now affecting her eyesight and she couldn't see anymore. And on top of that, she was diagnosed with cancer. She had a very very tough life. If anybody was worthy of questioning things, I think it was Annie. And in the midst of her suffering, in the midst of her questioning, she wrote this poem. I'm just going to read it now as we as we close. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed and the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that our need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing. The Father, both me and my burden, will upbear. His love has no limits, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. My prayer today is that, like Annie, we might rely solely on the grace that comes from Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others